What's up, guys? This is Patrick, back for the third episode of the Semi-Pro NBA pod. And I'm here with my dude, Sam. What is up, Sam? How's it going, Patrick? I'm glad to be here. Excited to be able to talk some NBA hoops with you. Me too, man. So we're basically a week of games in. A lot has happened. It's been crazy. What are your initial thoughts so far about this week? Well, first and foremost, how grateful and lucky are we to have some basketball back? I can tell you for months there, just suffering without it, it was difficult. Now that we got some hoop back, there's a little bit more to look forward to every morning. I know I get up excited to be able to watch four or five games a day. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited to be able to finally talk about it. Some initial thoughts has just been, wow, shooters are shooting well in the bubble. Nobody seems to be missing. All of these games are high one teens, one twenties. it seems like. And you know what? I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm here for some offense. I'm here for some excitement. And I'm here for a good time on this podcast. No, yeah, I'd have to agree with you, man. There's been a lot of offense. And I'm also very grateful to have basketball back because especially when it seems like the MLB is not handling the coronavirus super well, I'm super grateful that the NBA seems to be doing an amazing job of that and hopefully continues to do an amazing job of that all the way through late September, early October. Well, I mean, that's the benefit of having a bubble for sure is that you're able to kind of control who's in, who's out. If somebody goes out when they're not supposed to, Lou Williams, you're able to kind of quarantine them, put them where they need to be for a little while. Whereas MLB, you just kind of have guys who are playing it kind of just on faith. You're just hoping that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be. And clearly that's not necessarily happening. Just ask the St. Louis Cardinals. I know. I feel like, like, obviously, I bet some of the guys are being really smart about it. But I mean, it's just kind of like our world right now. Some people are being smart. And I bet some people are just not really caring in the MLB and just kind of doing whatever. And it's not really looking good for them in terms of finishing out the season. But enough talk about the MLB. This is an NBA podcast. I'm not sure if you knew that. This actually is an NBA podcast. So let's talk some hoops. Um, one team I want one team I want to touch on really quick. I've been so surprised by the Suns. I mean, Devin Booker's going to do what Devin Booker always does. Like, I expected that. But they're 4-0 and right now. What are your thoughts on the Suns, Sam? The Suns are 4-0, and but the thing that I've liked most about this team has been how they've, well, been working together as a team. You're right, Devin Booker's the type of star who's always going to be able to be there, be productive. But when you have a cast of characters like they do and a lot of guys who are stepping up who you necessarily wouldn't expect – I mean, I'm sure we'll talk plenty today about guys stepping up you wouldn't expect, but they've had a team and a roster that has come together and gelled so incredibly well here in the bubble. They're 4-0, and and they're very deserving of being considered the hottest team out here because they're playing like it. I would have to agree with you. I mean, they're playing insanely well. They beat the Clippers, which is a quality win off that amazing Devin Booker shot. I did not think that was going to go in. I thought there could have been a foul there pretty easily. I mean, he had three guys around him, and he still hit it. That, that dude is insane. Man, my thing with Devin Booker, and especially that one shot in particular that you mentioned, he is so incredibly capable. And I think he's one of these players that grew up kind of watching a lot of guys, a lot of this one-on-one ISO kind of basketball. If you think back to the early 2000s, your Kobe Bryant, your T-Max, a lot of very, very capable one-on-one scores. I think that watching that type of basketball, Devin Booker's become one of those isolation guys who's so incredibly capable you saw what he was able to do against the Clippers as you mentioned and it's just his ability to go one-on-one create space and create his own shot that's been so incredible and it it lends itself so well to game-winning situations 
I would have to agree. Devin Booker is – he's playing very well right now. And I – because I originally thought – because the Suns were always just – they've been terrible for a long time now, long especially time. with Booker. Like, I mean, it's not really his fault he's putting up numbers. But I always just kind of assumed he was more of an empty stat guy. Like, he was still really good. But, like, the 70-point game, a lot of that was when they were down by 20. Absolutely. the game was seemed to be out of reach. But he's definitely shown that he can do more than just put up empty stats. Like, he has played – very well in some tough games and it's led to the longest winning streak of his career which is insane to say that it's only four games well and what's so interesting when you look at this Suns team is that a lot of people might think yeah well this is just a bubble this is what's happening right now this is a team with a lot of really good young pieces to it you've got guys like Cameron Payne Mikhail Bridges Aaron Baines who's been somehow fantastic this year young young DeAndre Ayton a guy like Kelly Oubre, who's been in and out this entire season, but he has potential and shows it, as well as like a good kind of veteran leader in Ricky Rubio. It's a team that I think could definitely take some steps forward into next year. I'm not saying that they're necessarily a playoff contender immediately next season, but they've got star power in Devin Booker. They've got a good young core. You have to at least appreciate the direction the Suns team is going in. I would 100% again agree with you, man. Like, I, I feel like maybe next year the Suns can start pushing towards, like, the 8 or 9 range. Like, they can be kind of like the Clippers and the Blazers were this year, like, on the edge of the playoffs. Like, I don't know if Devin Booker – though I think they need more pieces in the future. Oh, they to do. To be able to get to a championship contender level. But I could easily see them start to be a low-tier playoff team or challenging for that every year from now on. Well, and I think that they're one of these teams that's going to be competing for that eight spot for a while. They're doing it right now. I think that they will continue to do that. I don't really know if where you're going to find a drop-off in the West in the next couple of seasons unless there's somebody who has an unfortunate season and decides to go into rebuild mode. You've got a lot of young talent in the West, and you've got a lot of very, very strong teams, especially at the top of the table, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, all of these types of very, very capable teams out there. It's going to be very difficult for a young team like Phoenix to be able to really get a foothold in the Western Conference with everything going on. But if they were to do it, I can't say I'd necessarily be surprised. I would, again, would have to agree with you. I mean, I could easily see them getting up to that next level in the next couple of years. Not right now. They still need some more pieces. But they're they're definitely a team to watch in the next couple of years, especially if they continue to draft decently well and build around Booker and Aiton. I, I could see them being a fun team to watch for a long time. And fun is the perfect way to put it. I don't think that this is a team by any means that is championship hunting anytime soon necessarily. But if you're asking me whether or not they're going to be entertaining to watch, anytime Devin Booker sets foot on a basketball court, I'm interested to watch. He is a very talented basketball player. And each with each performance he puts up leading them on this winning streak, it makes me even more impressed. So talking a little bit more player-wise, one guy who has just blown everyone away, he's actually traded from the Suns for cash considerations. Uh, TJ Warren has been absolutely feasting. First game against Philly, 53 and he has just played at a very similar level although he played a little bit worse than he normal than he has the past few games against phoenix in their last outing but he still has looked phenomenal those first three games you mentioned it you mentioned the huge scoring output in game one but even the second 
and third games, he had 34 and 32 points, respectively. That's not chump change by any means. That's a guy who's going out there and getting the job done. He's on this Pacers team that has Victor Oladipo, but besides that and DeMontis Sabonis, they've got some room for some star power to come in, especially with a guy like Sabonis not playing right now. The Pacers have the opportunity for somebody to come through and step up for him. TJ Warren's been that guy. As we said a little bit earlier, shooters have been shooting the lights out in Orlando. I don't know if it's the empty gym. I don't know if it's the no fans. Whatever it is, shooters are having their way with the basketball hoop. TJ Warren's one of those guys. He's doing pretty much whatever he wants to do. The Suns game the other night, a little bit less than he had been. But do you really expect a guy to continue to average a ridiculous output every single game? I mean, he still had 16 points. It wasn't like he didn't show up that good day. He had a decent day at the office. It just isn't the 32, 34, or even more so that we saw earlier. No, yeah. I mean, the big thing for me was after that 53-point performance, I was kind of like, oh, I mean, you know, he had a great game, but I feel like he'll come back down to earth, maybe put up 15 in the next game. And he's just kept it at a very high level. Like, it's it's almost impossible to get like two or three 50 point games in a row, but if you can get a 50 and then lower it even to a couple thirties, that's still really impressive in today's NBA. It's super impressive. And I mean, you're going to have the opportunity for shots. That's not the question, but volume shooters, it's, it's a difficult thing to be able to do because you have to be consistent. You have to be able to knock that down time in and time out. I think that's what's been so impressive about some other guys who have been shooting Gary Trent jr. For example, in Portland, who's been incredible so far. I think that a lot of these volume shooter guys are finally feeling comfortable like they are in that practice gym where they do knock down hundreds of shots consecutively just taking them one after another. Hundreds might be a little bit much, but you understand what I'm saying. I think that these guys are definitely benefiting. I think TJ Warren's a perfect example of that. No, yeah, I mean, he was he was our, he was a decent player. Like he was averaging 15 plus in for most of the season and he's a good guy to have on the team, but He's just taken to another level in the bubble. And I feel like we're going to see that from a lot of not as prominent guys or not as widely known guys as the season goes on, especially as we get in the playoffs. There's just going to be these big numbers put up by guys like Gary Trent Jr. and TJ Warren because they're all playing at the, essentially the same two courts for the next three months. And I feel like if you just play on the same court, you're going to get so used to your spots. You're going to be able to find your spots really easily. And the basket is just going to look huge to you after a while, especially if you get it going. And that's the benefit that these guys are going to have. You nailed the nail on the head right there when you just said, hey, look at they're playing in the same gym. You are absolutely right by that. I could just imagine being able to run up and down the same floors day in, day out. Know that the shot that you hit three days ago, hit two days ago, hit yesterday, you're going to hit it today, and you're probably going to hit it again tomorrow. Yeah, it's just the it's just because in, even in the NBA season, like they're changing venues so much. Like even in a playoff series, you play two games in a row in an arena, and then you go to the other in the other team's arena. But here, you're in the same court for the all the way up until the finals, and it's just gonna it's gonna be very interesting to watch. And it's not just that it's the same court, but it's the same court design. It's the same look behind the backboard. It's the same look from the bench. Everything seems identical. That type of consistency you have to imagine is a comfort to especially a shooter. Oh, yeah. The numbers are going to just keep going. They just keep being insanely high in terms of shooting. I mean, we have seen some off performances from teams like the Lakers, for example. The Lakers' offense has looked horrendous so far in these seeding games. I mean, I know they don't matter that much to them because they've already locked up the one seed, but they just they need to figure it out on the offensive end. They aren't, they aren't even averaging 100 points, and they're the only team in the restart that is averaging less than 100 points right now. 
when I look at the Los Angeles Lakers, especially offensively, I see kind of a lot of the similarities in LeBron James' teams. It seems as if going into the playoffs is always this question, well, is the offensive department, are they going to be all right on the defense perimeter? Is it going to be all right for them? And then LeBron shows up, and he brings his soldiers. He's brought his soldiers back this time. He's got J.R. Smith by his side yet again. He's got a guy like Anthony Davis, who's so incredibly talented, who can go out there and score at just about any moment. The biggest thing for the Lakers, for me, isn't even their offense. It's just their perimeter defense. That's what's going to concern me. I said that that's one of the normal concerns. Yeah, but right now you're doing it without Avery Bradley or Rajon Rondo. Play a team in the first round, like a Portland, who's been playing hot, say, for today, and you have, I don't think, an upset, but you've got a difficult matchup, especially with two capable guards like Portland has against L.A. That being said, the Lakers, they're going to get through the first round, despite what you might hear from other people. And in the second round, they're likely going to face a Utah or an Oklahoma City, which I know you're an OKC guy, but the Lakers, I doubt, will truly have a problem with that come playoff time, come everybody trying their hardest. I think this is still a team you can expect to see in the Western Conference Finals, but you're absolutely right to be at least a little bit thinking about, well, what are they going to be able to do offensively? Oh, yeah, you bring up a great point. I think the Lakers are easily going to get to the Conference Finals. I think as much as I, as an OKC fan, as much as I want to say that OKC would give them a challenge, I mean, sure, OKC could win a game or two in the series, but the Lakers just are too too much power, too much star power on them, and I, I the uh, one team I could see giving the Lakers a real problem in the second round because I feel like they'll if the Blazers do end up getting the eight seed, which in my opinion I think they will because the Grizzlies have not looked great other than yesterday they looked pretty good against OKC, but I think Portland's going to give the Lakers a decent test, and if the Lakers get matched up with Houston in the second round, I think that's a series that goes six or seven because Houston is just perfectly fit to play to the Los Angeles's weakness. And as of right now, we have the 4-5 seed is the Rockets and the Jazz. Of course, when you have a bunch of teams all within two games of each other with three to four games to play, it's going to be dicey and up in the air who exactly is able to get what win when they need it. But that being said, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that the Lakers in the second round will likely be playing the Rockets, the Jazz, or the Thunder. Now, yeah, I, I would agree. I feel like Denver has kind of solidified themselves in that three spot at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they are only a game and a half or a game. I don't know the exact amount up on like Houston and the Jazz and the Thunder. But I just I think with the bubble, nobody can really gain a sense of consistency. It seems like one night you'll have a team like the Thunder beating the Lakers by 19. And then the next night they'll lose by 20 to the Grizzlies. And I feel like that is happening with quite a few teams. So I think there'll just be a lot of one game win, one game loss, and everybody kind of stays in the same position in the standings because I feel like nobody's going to be able to get any headway because it just seems to be very inconsistent performances from these teams. And I definitely tend to agree that that's going to be a... I definitely tend to agree that it's going to be one of those one of those teams, one of those situations. But what's comforting, at least for me, is to know that any of these matchups is going to be good. I am really rooting for Houston to have that 4-5 seed, one of the two, just to be able to play Lakers. But no matter what, when you look at the collection of teams that are even fighting for a playoff spot in the Pelicans, Suns, Spurs, Trailblazers, those are four interesting teams. And just to think that every team above them is a better team and is a more interesting team, potentially, you have to look forward to what's going to be unfolding. 
I think it's going to be a great NBA playoffs. Just no matter what the matchups are, they're all going to be super fun. I mean, unless other than the Bucks playing, say the Nets, who when the Bucks are just going to beat the tar out of the Nets, even though the Nets beat them this week. But other than that, I think it's going to be an awesome playoffs from wire to wire. I think it's just going to be tons of tightly contested fun games and series that go back and forth. I I have a very difficult time thinking any playoff series besides you're right. Maybe that buck series ends up being unfortunate. Just looking ahead at the Eastern conference as well. You can see that it's going to be just so much fun. So many really tight teams in there. The top six seeds, at least two through six are all within five or six games of each other. Those are going to be fun matchups. The West is always fun. It's, it's going to be very difficult for me to have to pick which game I'm going to watch. If any of them overlap, let's just put it that way. I would have to agree. It's going to be so hard if there's two games on at the same time. I'll just probably watch both, honestly. That's an easy solution. There you go. Um, going off your point about the East a little bit, one question I was going to ask you is which team in the East do you think has the best chance to potentially beat Milwaukee in any round? It might be kind of cliche to say, well, the best seed team that could possibly beat the one seed would be the two seed. But the Toronto Raptors have just looked so fantastic lately. Whether it's somebody like Pascal Siakam, who's developed into one of the most impressive players in the league. Kyle Lowry, who's just out there every single day being a pipple off his leash. Guys like Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, Fred Van Fleet, who shows up when he wants to. Even the, the amount of talent that comes off the bench, like Patrick McGraw, Hollis Jefferson, Chris Boucher. This is a really talented team. Everybody thinks they lost Kawhi. They can't repeat. There's nothing. No. Pascal Siakam has picked up a ton of that slack. And the bench play has been even better than it was last year. I'm not saying the Toronto Raptors, Raptors are going to win the championship. I'm not saying that they're going to be going to beat the Bucks. But I'm saying is if there's a team in the East with the best chance to do so, they're from the North. I would have to agree with you. I've been very high on the Raptors, especially ever since their first game where they took down the Lakers. They have just looked phenomenal, and their defense has been amazing. And even though they lost Kawhi, their offense is still operating at a very high level. You got guys stepping up. No, I would say that you could kind of debate as to who like takes the last shot. Like last year was obviously Kawhi, but I could see Siakam or Lowry or even Van Vliet if he's really hot doing that. But I think they play really well together as a unit. And I am always kind of been a sucker for teams that play really well, like without having one guy they just kind of go through. Like I've always loved watching the ball movement and whoever can score is going to get more looks if they keep making shots instead of, oh, we're just going to defer to this one guy. So I would agree with you. I think the Raptors are a very big threat. And another team I wanted to point out was I think the Miami Heat provide a very interesting challenge for the Bucks if they get matched up in, say, the second round because I think the Heat are going to stay in that four seed. Um, I think that would be a very interesting matchup. You got Jimmy Butler – Bam out of bio, although Kendrick Nunn did just leave the bubble, I've I've heard. So that might be a bit of a loss there for the Heat. But they still have guys like Drogic, and they've got that great rookie class. And I think they could give the Bucks a real run for their money. Losing Kendrick Nunn is huge. He's one of the Rookie of the Year finalists, as announced this morning. A very talented young guard, but I agree that the Miami Heat are very interesting. I think that One thing Jimmy Butler does that I don't think a lot of NBA players have is just such an incredible fire and will to win. He is the type of guy who can drag a team at least into the second round of the playoffs, at least put up a decent fight. 
Again, not sure they're able to beat Milwaukee. Giannis has just looked incredible on both sides of the floor all season long, like we all expected. But Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Gordon Drogic, you've got pieces there. Tyler Hero, Robinson, you've got the pieces to at least create a problem. And I think that that's exactly what Miami's going to do. Yeah, I'm very excited to see all these potential matchups in the East. I think, even though I don't think the East is as talented top to bottom as the West is, because I feel like the West had an edge there for quite a few years. But I still think this is a very strong East behind Milwaukee. And I feel like it could cause some problems in the second round and conference finals for Milwaukee. And I completely agree with you. I'm not, they're not going to get through it clean. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be a difficult lane for them to travel. They're going to have to, you're right, probably somebody like the Nets in the first seed. That's not going to be super difficult for them to get past that first round. Then after that, if you've got Miami, you've got Philadelphia, even though they just lost Ben Simmons, that could still be a difficult matchup, especially with the size that Philadelphia brings to the table. It could, And then if you do have Miami, that's another tough matchup, maybe potentially Boston if they were to slip a little bit. I don't think they will, but they could. Then you've got that final round against who I think will likely be Boston, been playing fantastic. Jalen Brown's been playing well. Jason Tatum has been absolutely out of his mind. Or Toronto, who, as we mentioned, capable. They have the pieces. They have the experience. Either way, Milwaukee's not sweeping every series. There's no way. Milwaukee, I don't think, is able to get out of it in less than six, at least in the second round. And in the third round, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a seven-game Eastern Conference Final. No, yeah, I think this year's Eastern Conference Finals will be almost as inter- like very similar in terms of how awesome it was when the Bucks and Raptors faced off last year, because that was an awesome series and it kept going back and forth. And I feel like the Eastern Conference Finals is going to another one of those, just a very tightly contested series where big players are going to make big plays. And it's just going to be really fun for all the fans to watch, especially after this hiatus. Oh, and at this point, I'm sure the fans will take anything. We've been so all excited with the basketball that we've gotten any basketball at this point. I'm more than excited for it. I would have to agree. It's just good seeing everybody out there again and finally having basketball back. All right. Um, question for you going a little bit West now to the eighth seed, the eighth and ninth for the playing games. I wanted to ask who do you think will end up being those eight and nine spots? Because you got a team like Memphis who had a big lead coming into the bubble or not a big lead, but especially a big lead of falling out of the nine spots. They're in the eighth spot, but they have not looked great. And you got teams like Portland and San Antonio and Phoenix who are all kind of making a push for that. And then you got a team like New Orleans who has not played great. And even though they're still in the running just because of their schedule and they have a bunch of talent, they have not played great coming out of the hiatus. So if you had to pick right now, who would your eight and nine spots be by the end of the end of the next week? One team that I think is one piece away is San Antonio. San Antonio, I think, with LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm putting them in that 8-9 conversation just because of the weapon that he is on offense, being able to completely control the middle of the court as well as be able to say, hey, I can pop out for a 3 or I can bang inside. Without him, though, I lean Portland and Memphis. Phoenix, I think they were just slightly too far behind to begin with. If they go 8-0, excuse me, I was wrong. They'll be in there. They'll be fighting for it. They deserve it. But as of right now, I think it's going to be Portland and Memphis. I'm not sure with the loss to the Clippers today if Portland's able to get over the hump and get to that 
eight seed like it looked like they'd be able to probably earlier this week. But I do think that Portland and Memphis would be a fantastic matchup, and it's a matchup that I definitely see going at least two games. I'm not saying I know who's going to get the eight seed. You could always have a good day. John Morant could go absolutely crazy in a first or second game and win it for Memphis. They'd only have to win it once. But, man, Portland, besides the last three minutes of their ballgame today, it's the Clippers, have looked so good. Damian Lillard, again, besides the last three minutes of the game today, has been on fire in the bubble. Gary Trent Jr., a guy I mentioned earlier, he's shooting his mind out. Yusuf Nurkic, almost a triple-double today. He's been fantastic coming back. And the Blazers just have so much size inside, it's going to be so difficult, especially for anybody to be able to get to the rack against them. Zach Collins, Son Whiteside, both there as well. And then on the perimeter, Portland's got Carmelo Anthony, a future Hall of Famer, and I stand by Lillard's comments when he says that. It's a future Hall of Famer right there. And C.J. McCollum, who is the second option on this team and a super capable scorer. I think that Portland is the best of the bubble teams right now. That being said, they're going to have to really prove it when it matters in order to be able to get into that eighth seed. A big help for them will be no Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson torched Portland when they played earlier. He was dominant inside. He was able to push people around. He was able to get up for some big dunks. Without him, I think Memphis loses a lot of their inside-outside game. Valanciunas is a really decent center. He's a very capable guy. But you don't have the same kind of inside-outside game that you do when Jaron Jackson's fully healthy. I think Portland and Memphis will play for those games. If you're making me choose now, I want to lean that Portland's able to get a couple of wins there just because of how they looked and how they looked when they did play Memphis earlier. But it's going to be exciting either way to see who's able to get that final playoff spot. I would totally agree with you, man. I think it's going to be an awesome race because we got a bunch of teams surging headed in with the last week of playing games. And you got a team like the Pelicans who has a really easy schedule so they can make a run at it. But I would have to agree with you. I think it's going to end up being Portland and Memphis. Originally, as of yesterday morning, I thought Memphis was going to fall out entirely. But in my opinion, Memphis got a really big win for just for them. I mean, I think it would have gone a little differently, say, Steven Adams had played because Valanciunas just absolutely dominated Nerland's Noel in the paint, which was a huge difference in that game. So I think if Steven Adams plays, maybe they don't get that momentum. And that's why I think – if Memphis and Portland do match up in the play-in games, I think Portland wins that because one of the big keys to Memphis getting that first one was Jonas Valanciunas dominating inside. And I feel like against him against Zach Collins and Nurkic and Whiteside, it's just not going to go very well, especially when they don't have that inside-outside game like you were talking about with Jaron Jackson out for the year. So I do – I would lean towards Portland getting that eight seed. But I could – with you and you got a guy like when you got guys like John Morant, Brandon Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks. I it's it's hard to count Memphis out entirely in those playing games because I could easily see them because they they would most likely if they held on to this eight spot they would only need to win one game out of two. Mm-hmm. So I could easily see them doing that. That's not a huge ask. Like say Port, Dar- Damian Lillard has a cold half or CJ McCollum's not totally on the game could totally flip. But I would also have to lean towards Portland right now in that Portland Memphis matchup. In either way, it's going to be so difficult to be able to tell right now. I think going into those games, we'll see who has a little bit of momentum. If Memphis is able to string together a couple of wins here, maybe they do figure out how to play better better without Jaron Jackson. Maybe they are able to make something happen. And as far as Portland's concerned, 
I need to see them be able to finish out a couple games. They really are about six minutes of basketball away from being an undefeated team. They had a really rough second quarter that they weren't able to dig themselves out of against Boston earlier. And they went absolutely ice cold in the last five minutes against the Clippers. Even the last three minutes. The last five wasn't even. It was the last three minutes. If you're able to fix those couple of errors and those couple of bad stretches of basketball, it's an undefeated team. That being said, Portland's had opportunities to win every single one of their games so far. And so far, they're 3-2. and two. Not bad. Better than I thought they would have been right now. But not great either. Those are games that you really do have to be able to nail down in this bubble. No, yeah, I would have to agree because those those games were so close. I mean, Portland dug themselves out of the hole almost all the way. Like, they played insanely well in that second half. They just couldn't really close it out. And same thing against the Clippers today. They couldn't really close it out, which is a little weird for me to see because they got Damian Lillard, who has shown that he can hit big shots and he can play very well in clutch situations. And CJ can always step up. Melo's been hitting some clutch shots right now in the bubble and he has obviously in his career but it's just a little little interesting to see them not really being able to fully execute late in game like they had a five minute lead with a minute 30 left against the clippers today and they they blew it so that, i think that'll be an interesting thing to look at going into this next week of games and then the play in games well and one thing i'll say is that when the blazers ball movement dies their offense dies when they try to go strictly ISO with Damian Lillard, it's more difficult. We saw in this bubble that when they're playing their best, they're swinging the ball around. C.J. Mello, Gary Trent Jr., those are the guys who are getting open shots off the Damian Lillard passes and off use of Nurkic passes inside. When Portland's moving the basketball, their offense is elite. It's one of the best in the, in the NBA, without a question. When they're stagnant, though, that's when problems emerge. That's when doubles come at Dame. That's when he's forced to go off the right instead of to the left, which he prefers. And when you see that, it's it's clear and obvious that the way to stop Portland is to quickly double-team Dame and force the offense to be stagnant. I think the Clippers did a great job of that, and if Memphis can study that pattern, they should be able to get at least one of those two games. That being said, Memphis hasn't looked fantastic. Portland has. Oh, yeah, I would have to agree. Portland has looked like a three seed right now in the the early going. Like I, They have looked phenomenal. Even though they haven't been able to execute as much in the clutch, they still have looked Well, and at great. times, like, at times you're right, they have looked like the third best team, but also at times they do look like the team who's trying to get to the playoffs. They looked like that down the stretch today. They looked like that against Boston a little bit. When you have a Jekyll and Hyde team, it's all about consistency. Consistency is key, and you have to really hope that the Blazers can be consistent here coming up if you're a fan of them. So going off the rails a little bit, I know you're a big Blazer guy. So could you tell? I, I, I can tell. I know you pretty well. I would say so. Yeah, I, I can tell a little bit. But I just want to know your thoughts. Say, you guys, you're probably going to lose in the first round this year, even if you do make the playoffs. Yes. Like I, I don't see you guys beating LA as much as Charles Barkley wants to say that that's going to happen. I, sorry, Chuck. Yeah, no, they're, they're not, they're not going to get out of the first round, but they could put up a halfway decent fight potentially, maybe hopefully. But so say they lose in the first round, most likely outcome uh, and then next year, maybe win a series. That's I, cause I could see them winning a series next year. Um, 
do you what do you think like do you think that they will need to blow it up or should they should they keep the core say they don't do super well in the playoffs this year and next year what do you what do you think they should do should they start looking at trade offers or should they keep the core going because they did make it to a conference finals with this core i think it's difficult because i think the portland has a couple of very good pieces and I think the reason why I don't say blow it up isn't because of Dame or CJ or Yusuf Nurkic. Strangely, it's all about Gary Trent Jr. I think that he has the potential to develop into a phenomenal 3 and D NBA player. And that's the piece that Portland's been missing the most. They've got a versatile, athletic, good passing center in Yusuf Nurkic, who's a strong, staunch defender. He can put the, bas- he can put the ball on the floor, get to the basket, He can pass out of a double team better than almost any other big man in the league. You have Damian Lillard, all-NBA point guard, super capable. I think everybody kind of agrees at this point, second-best point guard in the NBA. You've got C.J. McCollum, another very capable scorer. Yeah, Portland's a little small outside, but those two guards are improved defenders from what they were two, three years ago when they got the bad rap that they got. I think that if you add in a piece like Gary Trent Jr., who can step up, be a starter sooner than later because as much as I hate to say it, let's be honest, I love Carmelo Anthony, but it is later in his career. I don't think that this is necessarily a super long-term solution to have him on the roster. It depends on that development. It depends on the development of the young guys for Portland. If they can develop into the pieces that Portland needs them to be, then they'll be successful. I think that Damian Lillard is one of the few players in the NBA who's capable of being the best player on a championship winning team. I think that there's about five of those in the NBA, and I think he's one of them. I think that CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic together can be the support system the Dame needs, but they need more depth. They need to be better off the bench. They have good pieces in Collins and Gary Trent Jr., but those pieces need to develop a little more. They need to be able to get another piece or two. I think Portland isn't quite there yet. They need some more bench scoring. I think they need some more defense as well. But I'm not here to blow it up yet. Dame just turned 30. I think that he's secure in probably having another five really, really good years and then probably another three decent years after that. But I'm not here to blow it up yet. But what I will say is that Portland does need to figure it out and figure it out soon. I would have to agree with you because I think they are one or two pieces away. Like I think they need another wing scorer because I, as much as the Carmelo Anthony acquisition was awesome for you guys this year, I kind of made fun of it at first because we saw how that didn't really work out for Oklahoma city and Houston, but it has worked out great for you guys. And I do, I think he'll, he has a couple more years like he's having right now, maybe a little bit lower in quality, but I still think he has two decent years in him like he's putting up right like he's doing right now but I do think they still need another wing score and like you said the defense is there they just don't have a great defense and that's kind of always kind of kind of it has been that way for a little bit like they have good pieces like I would say Nurkic is a decent defender in the post and I mean Whiteside is a great shot blocker but he's definitely that's kind of all he's got going for him he's not a great defender other than that but I just they still need some more defense. So I would agree with you there. They're, they're really close. Like they have proved that they can play at a conference finalist level. Like they did that last year. And 
obviously they'll get Rodney Hood back next year, I believe. Which will be, I think, will be huge for that team because I think Rodney Hood, especially early this year and in the playoffs last year, was starting to develop into another one of those 3 and D guys that Portland desperately needs. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting piece in terms of their long-term future and short-term, but I, I, I would have to say they should consider blowing it up. Maybe if they don't do super well, and then this year and next year in the playoffs, because I just do not see a backcourt of Dame and CJ fully winning a championship unless they make a couple more moves. Maybe add another, not total star, but like somebody who's a little bit lower than a star level for the wing. But I, they, they'll still be a very tough out for whoever they have to play in this, both this year's playoffs and next year. Like I think the Blazers are a very good team and a lot of people can forget that because they didn't have a great year this year, mostly because of injuries. Well, an interesting player that I think I just kind of want your opinion on. How do you feel about a guy like DeMar DeRozan? I, I've never been a huge DeRozan guy because for me, even though I was a big Westbrook fan for a while, cause I kind of had to be, I still love the guy, but I'm a big efficiency guy. Like I like, I like my players to be efficient. Like that's why one of the things I love about Chris Paul this year, like he has been so efficient and I love watching efficient players and DeMar's shot selection. Like it's not that he takes bad shots. It's just that his game is mostly in the mid range. He can't really shoot the three. He's a good driver, but he is starting to get a little older. So I think the mid range is where he gets a lot of his points. And that's just not a great area for me. I'm not a huge mid range guy. Like I just, I don't, I think you, I'd rather have a three point shooter. So, and I mean, DeRozan has also not played very well in countless playoff games. Like he is, I've always go into the, when he was back on the Raptors, I would always be like, yeah, I think the Raptors can give the Cavs a shot this year because they would end up playing each other like three years in a row. And it just seemed like DeRozan never really showed up. And Lowry didn't as well, but he's kind of changed that idea about him being not as much of a playoff performer in the past, in the last year. And I think he's going to do that again this year. He's going to play really well in the playoffs. But I just haven't seen that from DeRozan. So I, I do think DeRozan is a good player, but I just – I don't see him as a star anymore in this league. I see him as a really good player, but just not quite a star level. He's still talented. but The only reason I bring him up is because I'm currently looking at a list of free agents coming up this offseason – just out of curiosity for who are some of those type of wing guys that if a team like Portland, for example, since we were talking about them, wanted to pick up to be a potential option, even though I don't think the money would work out for a guy like that. Other guys who might be interesting could be potentially an Otto Porter Jr., Tim Hardaway Jr. Just type of guys who you know will give you decent perimeter defense and be able to knock down an open jumper. Those are the guys that Portland needs. They've got a couple of good young ones, but I think that a little bit more support in that area would be very helpful to them. I would agree. I think they could look at the free agent market this year and make a decent move. One guy I think would be really interesting to see on the Blazers. I don't think it'll happen because money-wise. I could If Danilo Gallinari signed with the Blazers, I think that would be very interesting because he is such an underrated scorer in today's NBA, although he's not a great defender, so it wouldn't necessarily help them there. But I think if they put him at the three, that would be – a very good move. You know, I don't think they have the money to do it. Like he is a phenomenal scorer and he can get a shot from almost anywhere, say a foot behind the three point line. Like he is a very steady shooter. And I, and I absolutely agree with you. Gallinari is another guy that I would love to see with a sash across his uniform. That being said, I don't think Portland's in a bad spot. I think that 
this is a very difficult year to be able to gauge their potential on just based on how many injuries there were and everything that went down. I think that the next season we'll really be able to see where a team like Portland's truly at in their development with hopefully a full season of everybody healthy and everybody on the same page. Oh, yeah. I think next year is a big year for a lot of teams. And Portland is definitely one of those teams. This is a make-or-break year for them. And I, I'm i excited to see what happens. Like, I, I could see them playing really well, maybe making it to the conference finals again. Who knows? I mean, but I could also see them flaming out in the first round. I It, it all just depends on how, many, how they mesh next year. And I agree. Next year is absolutely the key for so many teams, Portland included. Next year will be interesting because they're starting in December. It'll be interesting to see not as much time between the finals and the season starting again. It'll be interesting to see how affects, that affects the veterans of the league, the guys like LeBron. I mean, LeBron, I think, will still be phenomenal. But not as much of a rest time could be an interesting factor in next year, as well as what happens with COVID, because I don't know if they could do a bubble for a whole season. I think that would be a long time, and I don't know if a lot of players would do that. Like – Guys, especially guys like Dennis Schroeder, who had to leave to, to go watch, have help his wife during the birth of their second child. Like stuff like that could happen, and you could have guys missing two, three weeks, and that just completely could derail a season. So I just, that's just a very interesting year. Not especially with other factors other than just what's happening on the basketball court. There's tons that still has to be decided. All right, so yeah, that was my point on that. Um, I was going to – one last question because we're at about 42 minutes. So, I got one last question for you. So, next year, I think everybody – hopefully every team is back in the mix. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next year. But what team do you see that could maybe make some playoff noise that's not in the bubble right now? And I'm not going to let you say the Warriors because that is the easiest answer and that's a lame answer and nobody wants to hear that. Well, I wouldn't even so, want to say the Warriors. That, that's, that's not fun. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you for making it fun. So what team do you think would make some playoff noise that's not playing in Orlando right now? I'm going to go with the Eastern Conference team here. There's a lot of teams that are fighting for that last playoff spot that maybe won't be able to get in that will have a great chance next year. There have been some teams here and there, but two teams that I really like moving forward. Number one, the Washington Wizards. They're missing a couple of really big pieces right now. Bradley Beal, John Wall has been hurt for the last 17 some odd seasons or something like that. But he's a very capable point guard when he's healthy. Bradley Beal as well. I think that this is a young team that's shown a lot of potential. A lot of really young guys have gotten some great experience throughout the season. I think a guy like Troy Brown has really elevated his game this season for sure. I think that the Washington Wizards are a team that could make a lot of noise. And then a team that I think will be sneaky next year, the Chicago Bulls. They're another young team that has some definite potential. I think Cody White's one of the most exciting young players in the NBA by far. Kobe, excuse me, Kobe White. But I think that those two teams, I'm not sure if they necessarily make noise in the playoffs, but they could definitely be a part of that race come the 2021 season. I would have to agree with you on both of those picks. I mean... When the Wizards had John Wall and they were fully healthy, they were a team that you would normally see in the second round of the playoffs, even pushing a team to get to the conference finals. Like, they were a very good team. And I could easily see them getting back to that level. I I really like what they're doing down there, or up there in Washington. And you also stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say Chicago Bulls. I I do think they are a very promising team. I 
the big if for me is Jim Boylan. I don't know if he's going to – I think he's going to stay on for next year, they were thinking. I don't know if that's fully decided yet. But I just – he doesn't seem to get a lot out of that roster. Like, you got Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., and you've got a bunch of pieces there that make for a really solid team. Like, especially in a conference like the East where, say, the 7-8 range, so you got some room to make some noise. I, I really like the Bulls. I think they can make a lot of noise. And let's not mince words about it. The Eastern Conference is historically slightly weaker. And I think that that usual, that seven and that eight seed, they don't even often have to have winning records to get in the playoffs. I think it's kind of a rarity right now that we're seeing in the Western Conference that the eight seed won't have a winning record. But that's kind of the norm in the Eastern Conference. I think that one of those two teams... 37 38 wins might be enough. No, yeah, it had like the past few years, the one versus eight matchup in the East. I just don't even watch. It's just boring. It's just a really bad team against a team that could definitely go to the finals. And it's just, it's just not a fun watch. But I could see the Bulls sneaking in there and being that eight seed that gets the crap beat out of them by the one seed. And I mean, that's still a big step for them. Like making the playoffs would be huge for this team even if it's just getting the crap beat out of them. But is there anything else you would like to add, Sam, Because before we end this awesome show? um, Follow me on social media, at Samuel101TS. I got a couple of projects coming out here soon that will be pretty fun to keep up with. But, yeah, just follow me on all social media, at Samuel101TS, and continue to listen into the program because I know you got nothing but big hitters coming up. Yes, I'm all about big hitters. That's my middle name, big hitter. But yeah, thanks for plugging yourself, Sam. That was really nice of you. Anytime. That was that was really it was awesome to have you on the show today though, man. You're always fun to talk hoops with and I'm sure we'll be doing this more as this as this season goes on and as next season goes on, especially before you graduate. This we'll be doing this again for sure. So thank you for coming on. I had a great time. Patrick, I look forward to every upcoming conversation. So, yeah, um, thank you, listeners, for listening this far. I keep forgetting to check how many listeners I have, so I don't know how many of you there are. But, again, weekly episodes. I think I'm going to considering starting bi-weekly episodes when we get to the playoffs because there's more to cover. So, it's always nice to have two episodes a week. So, watch out for that. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and have a great rest of your week.